Welcome to Launch Chat, where we answer your startup questions every single day. I'm your host, Jay Kerr, founder of LaunchPeer, and today we're going to be talking about what you do when someone screws you over. <laughs> That's a great intro, isn't it? No, but Lucas from Miami, Florida has a situation where it looks like somebody took his money for work that they were doing on his startup and they disappeared. That's a terrible situation to be in. So today we're going to talk about what you should do when that happens and specifically what Lucas can do in his specific situation to try to remedy some of this stuff. Today's question comes from Lucas in Miami, Florida. He writes in, I hired somebody to code a website and an app. The agreement was for $1,000 for the website and $3,000 for the app. We met up a couple of times and I've seen the progress he's made. He's even given me the working app on my phone. I thought everything was going well. I could tell though that the freelancer was getting very busy with other projects. The app was near completion, but eventually he stopped replying to my texts. It's been one month and no contact. I don't have any of the source code as it's all on his computer. I asked him if I could have the code and nothing. What should I do? Hey Lucas, thanks for your question. And I'm really sorry about the situation you're in. That really sucks. So I'm gonna talk about what I would do in your situation right now. And then I'm gonna give some advice to everyone listening to this on how you can make sure this doesn't happen to you. Okay, so uh, recapping the situation, the agreement was for $1,000 for the website, $3,000 for the app, thought everything was going well, met a couple times, you know, it's been one month, no contact on any of the source code. It doesn't look like you paid them. Maybe you did. So we'll talk about it as if you had already, you've already paid for them for the work, okay? So let's assume that you paid them for the work already. Honestly, there is almost nothing you can actually do. Okay. And I know that people listening to this are going to ask, and I, I can already hear it now. Like, well, look at the contract. Like, what does the contract say? Like, go get a lawyer. Like, go have them reach out to them. It's like, guys, it's not that easy. Okay. We've had, I'm going to be honest with you guys, we've had some customers here at Launchphere who hire us for work and then we do the work and then they don't pay us. Okay. Very similar situation. It's just the other way around as Lucas, right? There's really not a lot we can do. Like, yeah, we can have a lawyer go write them some really mean legal letters and hopefully that threatens them enough into paying. We could go to court in a small claims court and take all that time and energy to go do that. We could, let's say we went to court and we won the lawsuit. If we even got to that point, that doesn't mean that we're ever going to get that money because here's a little secret. Okay. Just because you win a lawsuit from someone doesn't mean you're ever going to see that money. Once you win a lawsuit from someone, it is your responsibility to go figure out a way to collect that money. All it means is that you're legally entitled to the money. It doesn't mean that the court's going to go into this person's bank account, pull the money out of their bank account and hand it over to you. It doesn't work that way, especially if it's small claims court, which, and I feel like I should caveat this with like, I'm not a lawyer guys, so I don't know. But like, I, I have a lot of friends who are lawyers, so they've talked to me about the, these horrible situations that people are in and not any details or anything. Don't want to get my friends in trouble. But for $4,000, there's not a whole lot you can do. Okay. So let me talk about what I would do in this situation. The first thing I would do is I would contact a lawyer, not to hire them on retainer or anything like that, but to ask them to send some strongly worded legal letters or emails to the person. Okay. Try to intimidate them into getting that money back. That's the first thing I would do. The second thing that I would do as you're going through this is just know that you're probably never going to see that money again. Okay. Because you're probably not. 
and you're probably not going to see any of that code again either. I mean, a month is a long time. I wouldn't stop following up with the freelancer. I would email them. And one trick that you could do is like put read receipts on your email. So like you can use like mail track or something like that, where like you can actually, you know, whether or not they're receiving the emails. I mean, if we're trying to think through like best case scenario that maybe the person got in a car accident or they're in the hospital or a family member's in the hospital or something happened. Or I've had <laughs> friends who had developers who they were working with overseas. Um, and like there was a tsunami or some catastrophe and like the whole village got wiped out. It's like, well, they don't have a computer or internet access. How are they supposed to work? Like they're not responding to you now because they want to because they can't. I've seen situations like that happen. I, I try to think of the best in people, but let's assume that's not the case and they just disappeared because they don't want to work on your stuff anymore. Uh, there's not a lot you can do. Uh, Lucas, I'm sorry. That sucks. But now let's talk about what the rest of you can do to make sure this doesn't happen. The first thing that you can do to make sure this doesn't happen is don't pay anyone 100% upfront, okay? Make sure that the payment structure is set up in your favor, which means you're paying for work that you can see. And if you're not, if you're, you're if you're forced to prepay for work, don't pay like 50% upfront, 50% at the end. Break it up where it's like weekly or biweekly payments. Like at Launchpeer, we purposefully do biweekly payments during development projects because we want our customers to actually see what they're paying for. And although we're having them prepay for each biweekly payment, still, like we want them to feel like they have some sort of ownership over the work that's being done. So every two weeks, if we're not doing a good job, they could be like, I'm not paying you guys anymore. Like you guys are done. That doesn't happen, but it could. And so our, our customers feel very comfortable with all of this. The other thing that that does is it forces the developer to not hold ownership over the code. Because if you're prepaying, even in small increments, or you're paying in small increments, it means that once that work is done and it's paid for, you have ownership over it, which means you can say, I want access to GitHub or whatever repository or code base management tool that they're using. You can say, I want access to that. Or I want to all host it on my own like repository or in my own account just in case. And I'm paying for it like upfront or I'm paying for it in increments, which means if I pay for it, I should have it. And because we're assuming that Lucas paid for all of this work up front, that's what should have happened. You should have had all this stuff on your own account and he should have been working within your own account. Or what you could have had if he, they weren't comfortable with that is you had admin access to their repository. The reason I don't like that one as much is because they could just kick you out of it if they ever wanted to. So in that case, if that's, if that's the situation you're in listening to this right now, just make sure you're like downloading the code on a regular basis, you know, just in case you never really know uh, with situations like this. The other thing that you can do to make sure that this doesn't happen to you is this is my bias is coming out now is making sure that you're working with a reputable company, <laughs> okay? Because basically Lucas is never gonna see that $4,000 again. And let's say Lucas was in the situation where it was $4,000 with the freelancer or $10,000 with the agency. And the agency was one that had a good reputation. He could go talk to them and he knew where they were located and can like travel to them if he wanted to. It was reasonable to do that. They can't just drop off the face of the planet. They have a Facebook page and Twitter and LinkedIn profiles and all this stuff. Well, in that situation, you should think very hard about whether or not you should hire a freelancer who could disappear or hire an agency who they can't disappear. Like they're there. They're not going anywhere. And if they did, they'd have to go through a lot of trouble to do that. They can't just drop off the face of the planet. Okay. So at the end of the day, just make sure you're protected. 
All right. Make sure that you're not paying upfront for work you can't see. And if you are paying upfront, then you're doing it in small increments and not completely upfront or not 50 50 or any of those stupid payment terms that I never thought made sense uh, in any situation, really. And so when you're going through that, just make sure that you're protected that way. And also know that when you're in situations like this, that you do run the risk of someone just dropping off the face of the planet. Like it happens. I talked about it the other day. Like we have customers coming to us all the time at Launchpeer where like the freelancer disappeared or the, I don't know, the company overseas just stopped responding to their messages or they're really slow where before it would take them like a day to finish something. And now it's taking them like two to three weeks to finish anything or to just get back to you. That's not good situations to be in. But the only way to get out of those situations is if you're paying in increments or you're paying up front in small increments or paying for work that you've already seen ideally. Or what you're doing is you're making sure that you're protected by working with someone who you can actually reach out to and they can't just ignore you. Okay. So anyway, look, Lucas, I'm sorry. That sucks. Really sucks. That situation that you're in right now. Hopefully once you keep reaching out to them and have a lawyer send some letters or whatever, you can kind of break out of that rut. But in the meantime, I hope everything works out for you because that's a terrible situation to be in. Thanks for listening to this episode of Launch Chat. I have two big announcements for you. First, if you haven't joined the Launch Club yet, it's our private Facebook group that has tons of entrepreneurs and founders who are trying to build, launch, and scale their startups. The community is new and we're trying to get more and more founders into it. So if you're interested, go to launchpeer.club to sign up. Also, our team's writing a book and it's almost done. We hope to ship the book out in November. If you're interested, go to launchrecipes.com where we're profiling 40 of the biggest startups of the 21st century and really documenting how they went from zero to one customer, one to 10 customers and the exact tactics they used to do that. So if you want to claim your free book, go to launchrecipes.com.